the heart of art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Hector Nino. Hello, good evening everyone. Welcome back to the KME Studios. My name is Hector Nino and you're listening to The Heart of Art. To start off our show, we're going to start off with some art announcements. And for the first one, we have uh, First Friday, this Friday, and it's going to be a great time. There's going to be all types of games, food, and live music. Uh, I encourage you all to go out and just have a wonderful time. We always have a great time with our community. Um, there's so much to do, so make sure you go and check it out. And for my second art announcement, I wanted to remind you guys about um, the email that you can email theheartofart at tamu.edu. That's theheartofart.tamu.edu. And you can send an email to this email uh, and just helping me out with the show. You know, if you have any suggestions on different artists that you would like me to interview or um, of any events that you'd like people to know about, um, any art-related events, I would love to promote them for you. Um, so yeah, just make sure to email theheartofart.tamu.edu. And for our show today, uh, our first guest will be Tyler R. Lewis. Uh, I actually contacted them because of their performing experience. They are an amazing singer and actor, uh, but I actually found out they also write and they photograph. So they have so many talents and we talk about how they balance this all out and where they see their future, you know, having all these talents. Um, and for our second half of the show, we will be talking to Alok Menon. Um, I interviewed them a couple months back, uh, but we will be visiting some uh, important details that we discussed. And they are also a non-binary artist uh, who is a poet and activist and just all-around artist. So um, I hope you guys enjoy the discussions that we have and uh, make sure to tune in next week. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studios, we have a very special guest. Uh, they are a singer, actor, performer, um, but I recently found out they're also a writer and photographer. Uh, their name is Tyler R. Lewis. Hi, Tyler. How are you today? Hi, Hector. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I'm so excited for our conversation today. Um, I've seen you on countless performances, and I've always looked up to you because you're so good at singing. Like, oh, thank you. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, but I'd like to go over the background of my guests first. So I'd like to ask you, where is home for you? Yeah. Um, so I'm actually right down the road. Um, I'm born and raised in little old Navasota, Texas. Navasota. Um, I was technically born at the Colossation Medical Center when it was the, the med. Um, mm. It's now St. Joseph's. But yeah, I'm essentially a native to College Station, if you will. Awesome. Awesome. And... Uh, where did your love for the arts begin? Oh, good question. Um, so the tale goes, okay. um, I've been singing since I was two. Wow. And that was before I could talk. So how that makes sense, I don't know. But that's how the legend started. Um, but just, I feel like 
most people would say church choir is kind mm-hmm. of where I started, um, especially when it comes to singing. Like, that's my first actual memory of singing. Um, and then my first acting gig, if you will, um, was third grade when I was cast as the um, the wolf in Little Red White Riding Hood. Nice. Um, and so that's kind of how the acting bug got started. And it's skyrocketed from there, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've had you have a lot of experience now since three years old yeah. on stage. Awesome. <laughs> yes. All right. And um, so it sounds like singing has always been something you've been able to do, right? Like, right. Were there any teachers along the way that helped you? Um, I mean, I feel like music and artists are naturally our teachers because we listen to music every day. And so as a singer, we naturally just emulate the type of singers and music that we like to hear. Um, so I would say that just artists like Beyonce, Whitney Houston, Jasmine Sullivan, just to name a few. Um, but like I've taken a couple of voice lessons um, in college um, when I was studying theater education at Sam Houston State. Um, I took a couple of lessons with Michael Walsh, um, Walsh um, there when I was auditioning for the musical theater department there. Um, and then just here and there, you know, just having friends like Carrie, who's obviously studied voice mm-hmm. uh, at the University of Milwaukee, if I'm correct. Um just have tips and tricks uh, here and there and then being involved in, you know, acapella when I was here at A&M with hardcore and stuff like that and just picking up on little uh, nuggets with just my experience with people, I would say. It's just life itself has been a natural teacher for me. Right, awesome. Um, Yeah, I did want to talk a little bit about your experience here at A&M. You have a BA in communication journalism here, right? I have a BS. Oh, BS. Okay, awesome, awesome. And, And this is where you were in hardcore dynamics. I was also in an acapella group. Which one? Apotheosis. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we did Apapalooza a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I know a little bit about what goes on there. Um, Would you say that hardcore polished your singing even further? Um, I would say that I experienced so much growth in hardcore, and here is why. Because I, again, am accustomed to being a solo act and I have been for so long Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't do choir in high school or anything like that I was a band kid um, because band is superior and I stand on that (laughs) Um, but coming yeah coming into hardcore I didn't know what it was like to sing with an ensemble Mm -hmm. um, because I never had that experience like obviously being in the church choir you have that experience but not truly yeah Um, and so hardcore really taught me what it was like to blend and listen to others and fit in that so uh fun fact i auditioned for hardcore three times before getting i know it shocks every person uh just based on the caliber of talent that i have Mm -hmm. but yeah i i didn't there was so many things i didn't know about like you know being in a group that i had to learn um and so once i got in and having that experience for two years really taught me a lot awesome and i mean that's very surprising to me because uh, I see now you're also teaching choir, a choir group now. I am. So um, because of my experience in hardcore and um, in 2019, we went to the ICCA finals in New York City. Awesome. Um, and we, you know, I was obviously the outstanding vocalist at both the uh, semifinals and finals. And then at quarterfinals, we won best choreography, best choreography, which myself and a dear friend, Christina Farmer, uh, designed. So... Um, Another good friend, Weston Russell, who's been the musical director at TTC for some time now, reached out because he's the accompanist there. 
okay. um, and just asked for me to come in and kind of help with uh, the choreography for the kids um, for A-Side, which is the name of the group there. Um, and so initially that's what I came in to do, which is choreograph- uh, do choreography for the set and then go about my merry way. Um, but like all good teachers do, <laughs> you kind of get stuck uh, because the, the kids impact you. And obviously I have a love for the art itself. Um and so I was just like, you know, we've kind of ended the first semester. What's next? Um, and the choir director there, Emily Ramos, was like, if you want to stay on and, you know, continue to teach, we would love to have you. And so she basically allowed me to do that and kind of develop that program into what it is today. Um, and then they most recently went to Arkansas and competed in Voice Jam. Wow. Um, which is an open competition to where anybody can compete, high school, college, professional, um, where they placed second to a professional group. So, no way. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> wow. um, I actually was going to ask you about the theater company because that's something that we both have in common. Yeah. Um, why did you decide to join community theater? Oh, a good question. Um, so, like I said, I initially went to school for theater education, um, and that didn't work out for me. So I ended up here at A&M. Um, but while I was there, that's when I saw my first production of the Rocky Horror Show. Oh. Um, I was not familiar with it at all. Um, and so my first introduction was the stage production of it. And the first night I went, I was like, um, this is a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of brushed up on the culture that is Rocky Horror. And so the second night was just bananas and super crazy and everybody it was the midnight showing so everybody was on another level um and i had a friend at the time who was in hardcore as well who was doing shows at the theater company um and we were talking about shows and uh they were telling me how you know they were thinking about bringing rocky horror and so i said i had already made a promise to myself that if i ever had the opportunity to audition i would um and so i think it was october september one of those um in the fall they had auditions for rocky horror i showed up did what i needed to do um and then i was cast as the lead frankenfurter um and so it, I just kind of got hooked there and, and stayed on. And I've been at the theater company since 2018 now. Wow, it's been a bit. Yeah, I've, I've only done one show there, but I do. I'm looking forward to my uh, to another show there. So you're going to come back? Of course. Of course. <laughs> yes. I, the only reason I haven't gone back yet is because of this show. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been working so hard on it and it just takes up a lot of my time. Yeah. But I will definitely be back for okay. sure. Well, perfect. <laughs> um, and are you in Newsies? I am in Newsies. Okay, when is that showing? So Newsies, we open June 10th, um, and we run three weekends from there. Um, I play uh, the club owner, Meta Larkin, um, and she just basically is a confidant and big help to the Newsies in the show. Um, and so I'm really excited to take on the role because I get to scream at the top of my lungs like I do every day. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just have fun. Great, great. Um I, I was going to ask something a little more personal. Yeah. Um, why do you perform, and what need do you think it fulfills within you? Oh, mm-hmm. not me being vulnerable. <laughs> Let's go. I perform because it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, again, I've been doing for as long as I can remember. Um, and as a person who is just multifaceted and skilled in so many things, like obviously being a writer, editor, photographer, et cetera, et cetera, um, when it comes down to performing, singing, acting, dancing, eh, I, I can get in where I fit in with the dancing part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes down to that, that's the one thing that I know for sure I do well. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think with everything else, it's like, oh, I was able to, like, hone in on this skill and, like, make it good. But it's like, these things are things that I was born to do. So if I ever doubted anything in my life, that's the one thing that I know I do well. Yeah, you period. do it from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah for sure. Awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you if you were ever intimidated, you know, performing here in the College Station area where it's predominantly white, you know, and you being a queer black person, like, has it ever been intimidating to get on a stage here? Um, intimidating? No, I feel like we naturally have those, like, opening night jitters, especially, like, with my first show being Rocky, so, like, opening night, I was all over the place, but, um, intimidated? No, because as a person who is black, queer, plus size, all of these things, like, I graduated from A&M, you know, you don't see many of us anyways, um, and so I get a lot of questions of, how was that experience, and it was like, it was what I made it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being a performer here, like, I bring to the table what I bring to the table, and no one else brings that. And so I have to live in that realm and know that what I do, no one else can. Awesome. Yes, I, lo- I love that answer. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also noticed that you were the managing editor at Orange Magazine, right? I was. And what, what did that entail? Oh, it was a lot. Like <laughs> um, because as a managing editor editor of a student publication, um, similar to the ag leader here at the School of Ag, mm-hmm. um, where I was associate editor, um, it's completely student run. Um, and so I was a grad student at the New University of Texas. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was still having grad student duties along with like managing a daily, you know, publication where we uh, publish digital content every day um, but we also have a print publication that comes out at the end of every semester um, not only that but I oversaw like 20 writers and like four editors um, and so I was specifically over the style section for orange so fashion lifestyle all of that um, and so having weekly meetings and kind of keeping everybody on track as well as like I said fulfilling my duties as a grad student it's a lot yeah. Um, but it was something that I knew I wanted to do and that I was um, very passionate about. Um, and so we created two very successful uh, print publications and obviously the daily content that we were publishing da- uh, digitally. And it was one of the best experiences. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the magazine is um, stationed in Austin, right? Uh, Correct. But it is a fashion magazine. So that's, I thought that was very appropriate because you, you know, I love your style oh, as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I feel like you put so much on your plate. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. Are you okay? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would say right now, uh, life is a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because there's just so many things that are happening, new opportunities at work. Um, obviously, I'm the set designer and I'm in Newsies. Um, oh. So that adds another level of responsibility. Yeah. Um, but like I've said, I've always flourished, apparently, um, with having so many hats and doing so many things. And even when I have the downtime, I always find myself being like, uh, this is foreign. So like, what else can I do to fill this time? Um, and so I'm learning to, you know, say no, um, or say, I can't fit that in my schedule. Um, and to just accept the downtime for what it is and take a break, uh, because burnout is real. Um, but I'm also one of those people just, I'm, I always tell myself, if you can just get through the next two weeks, you'll be fine. And then the next two weeks come and I add something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're we're making it do what it can do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
a couple of weeks ago, maybe like last month, I spoke to Waylon mm-hmm. Lee, who is like the president of Hardcore yeah. right now. And he's like an aerospace engineer uh-huh. and is also the president of an acapella group. Uh-huh. Like, mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, y'all do so much. Yeah. Um, you were also in a play in New York, right? So I I did a show, or was I was a part of a show. So a good friend of mine named Sis, um, at you can call me Sis on Instagram. Okay. Um, she uh had a a show at Far Scene Fifty Four Below, um, which is where like all of the Broadway names go to basically showcase their talent and put on a show. Um, and so initially when I found out, I had already booked a flight and all of that just to surprise her because I hadn't seen her in a while. And then, oh, what were we doing? I think it was all together now at TTC. She called like during a matinee and was like, hey, uh, would you like to be a part of the show? Because you're so uh, pivotal to my story um, as a trans woman. Um on Broadway, you know, because right now she's uh, Ado Annie in the national tour, uh, the first black trans woman to play the role of Oklahoma or the national tour of Oklahoma. Um, And so, you know, being very pivotal to, because when we met, I was her resident advisor at Sam Houston. Um, And so that's when I discovered my love for, you know, makeup and, you know, discovering myself as a non-binary person in this world mm-hmm. um and so you know her seeing me live my truth was um instrumental to her transition um and so she was like do you want to be a part of this because the the show is based on my life and how i got here um and wow. so that's i flew up for three days it was the most hectic three days of my life i bet <laughs> i didn't eat for like tw- 30 hours oh and goodness. i slept for a total of six. Oh no I mean, but I, I bet it was a great experience. It was a great experience, but it was the most hectic trip to New York I've taken, and I've taken quite a few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so having all of these skills, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself in the future? I mean, you can act, sing, you dress, you write. Like, you could just pick and choose. I know. You know, that's a hard question to answer um, because I often find myself asking myself the same question mm-hmm. um, because it's like I do so many things and so many things well. It's like, where do I belong? Like, um, it's and it's so funny because my journey to journalism, um, obviously, it wasn't like, by chance or by happenstance. Um, speaking of which, I just learned what happenstance meant yesterday. <laughs> but it wasn't just by coincidence. Um, you know, I was a part of FFA and all of that in high school and did a lot of public speaking, UIL, prose and poetry, um, all of that stuff. And so being able to tell the stories of other people is something that I've always been passionate about, which is why I'm so into, to you know, being a performer and being a writer. Um, and so I initially started out um, wanting to do radio. So I don't know if you were here at the time or know about Fusion Radio at the College of Ag. Uh, not, not too familiar with it. No. Okay. Uh, well, there was a radio station there where they play like alternative rock and stuff like that. And so um, I used to host my own one-hour radio show. Um, it was a part of the class. But, um, you know, creating spots and sweeps and all of these things that come along with radio. And I was like, I love this and being able to, you know, have this type of this type of platform and speak to people um, and that didn't work out. And so that's when I made the transition um, over to magazine. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a really difficult question to answer because I do so many things and I love all of them. And I often get, well, why don't you just do them all? And I'm like, but do you not understand how much time that takes? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. 
it's like I also just saw um, Hades Town on Broadway with the original cast wow. uh, in March. Um, the only person that was missing was Amber Gray, who played Persephone. Mm-hmm. And it was like, as soon as I heard the first opening notes, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that there's other facets of me that I want to do for the rest of my life. So it's hard. That's a hard question. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of balancing yeah. stuff out. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think that's all the questions I have for you. Thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for continuously pushing the envelope here in our community. Thank you. You know, I can't wait to see where you go next. Thank you. If I must say, um, like I said, Newsies starts. Uh, we open June 10th and run three weekends from there with two shows on Saturday. We have a 2 p.m. and a 7 p.m. show on Saturday. So Great. please come out and support Newsies. It's going to be a amazing show, the choreography by Dominic Oliver insane um the voices of that cast we have some great uh leading actors that are in the show um it's musical directed by carrie kempf um and obviously directed by adrian dobson and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great yeah it's gonna be a fun time i encourage you all to go check it out a theater company june 10th to june 26th yes okay awesome well thank you so much of course thank you for having me Hello, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and this is The Heart of Art. Uh, Today in the studio, we have a very special guest. Well, they are not actually in the studio. We are actually communicating through Zoom. Um, But bear with me. This is going to be quite a bit of an introduction. Uh, They are an Indian-American poet, comedian, author, activist, performer, model, and world superstar, really. And uh, they are the author of three uh, books, Beyond the Gender Binary, Your Wound, My Garden, and Feminine Public. And if you'd like to check out their Instagram, uh, it is Alok V. Menon, Alok, A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. And yeah, welcome to the studio, Alok. Nice to have you today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, So you grew up here in College Station. Uh, Where are you currently? I live in New York City currently. Okay, awesome, awesome. And did you begin writing here in College Station? I totally did. Um, I was probably 11 or 12 years old when I started to write my first poems. I was a middle schooler at either Cypress Grove or College Station Middle School. And I needed somewhere to author myself into existence. I didn't really have language to describe who I was or what I was feeling. And so I turned to writing as a way to experiment. And at the time, I didn't really call it poetry. It was more just my journal. And I would publish anonymously under a pseudonym online. And then people online would say, you're a poet. And I was like, I guess I am. Wow, that's awesome. Um, There was a part in Beyond the Gender Binary where you talk about uh, your culture and being here in College Station and... um, I, I, I view that kind of like as the place where you kind of started performing even, you know, when you were like dancing as a little kid and people would like cheer you on. Uh, would you say that that is the case? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a very tight knit Indian community in College Station and we would have kind of potluck dinners every weekend. And I would use those as an opportunity to do my own interpretive dance to the latest Bollywood songs. And at that time in my life, I didn't really have any shame. It was 
so much more about creative self-expression. I didn't care what other people thought. Mm -hmm. Right. I had a question, like, what is poetry exactly to you? Because I know it can be like, you know, a special intensity of emotion given um, through style and rhythm. But I would say that also like your modeling is poetry and your performance as well. Yeah, totally. I think I began with a narrow idea of poetry as just text. And then in college, I started to perform it. And so poetry became about oration and storytelling. And then when I moved to New York City, I realized that poetry was actually a way of living. And what that means for me is about recognizing that there are no rules. The joy of a poem is that there's no fixed template. You're kind of making it up as you go on. And your compass is beauty. So you just want to accomplish that, a kind of striking moment an arresting moment of beauty. And so for me, what poetry is, is about an orientation and intention towards beauty and everything that I do. A reverence for experimentation, a commitment to um, revision, because I also think what I love about poetry is that it's, it, 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 it's never fixed. I can go back to poems I wrote years ago and decide to change them and evolve. And I think that's the same thing as human beings. We're constantly rough drafts. Right, I think you embody that so well. Um, I wanted to highlight this line from What Lives in Death from Your Wound My Garden, page two. Um, you were talking about poets themselves and you said, we fling ourselves into ourselves. Would you say that this is like your creative technique? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that I think defines our era is in the past in like Greek and Roman empires, they would have sculptures with people holding like spears or triumph. I think our era, it's someone holding a selfie camera directed back to themselves. Like those are the sculptures we have. Definitely. We have now developed technology that allows us to introspect in a way that we never could before. So much of what life was before the advent of modern technology relied on other people's interpretations of who we should be. But I think in my generation was one of the first generations we could kind of turn the camera to ourselves and ask, what is my self-image? Who do I want to be for myself? What is my idea of self-intimacy? And that's where so much of my poetic impulse comes from, is that kind of excavation work of trying to figure out who am I on my own terms. Why do you write? Do you write for others or do you write for yourself? Yeah, I guess I would say I no longer see the distinction between myself and others. And every good poem seeks to collapse that false distinction. Um, you know, so much of the work I try to do as an artist is not just to say there have always been people who are neither man nor woman, but rather to say that all dichotomies are simplification and that actually there's always been a space between that's shared. And as a poet, I want to create a kind of gallery of every emotion I've ever felt and have people walk through it and be like, wait, I felt that same thing. How could we be so different and yet still feel the same thing? That's what a poem allows me to do. And I learned the power of poetry growing up in College Station, Texas, where I started writing and performing because I realized that even though people kept on saying that I was different because of my family's religion or race or my gender or my sexuality, we all felt the same kind of loneliness the same kind of pain and anguish and curiosity. And so poetry was the place that I could actually explain and show people 
hey, I'm just like you. And when I say I'm just like you, what I mean is that I feel and feeling is what makes us human. Um, I did want to ask uh, something a little more personal, um, what this interview meant to you and like what you would say to the people of College Station listening now. Yeah, you know, I used to listen to this radio station all the time. My parents were big fans and it would be on when we were driving to school or not. And College Station is a complicated place because it makes so many people feel impossible and unlovable. And I guess I would ask, how can we continually choose love over fear? How in every airwave, not just from a radio, but in a conversation with a friend, spread the message of love? And how can we recognize that love is actually the most powerful and productive force in the universe? So it means a lot to be here. It feels like an act of love. And I wish that I had heard a voice like mine when I grew up there. And if you are someone like me there, know that I love you and I'm rooting for you and you belong. <laughs>